Welcome to I Have Some Notes. Uh, this is the uh, movie podcast where we talk about movies that were not quite great, uh, but we're going to make them great. But this is the side notes of version where we talk about little tiny little things coming to you last time from the uh, the downtown Edmonton I Have Some Notes studios. We'll be moving in a little while to West Edmonton I Have Some Notes studios where there's water slides and a theme park <laughs> and uh, lots and lots of parking. Whee! Uh, my name is Colin McIntyre. I'm Greg Beer. I'm Scott C. Bourgeois. I am Anita C. Bourgeois. Oh, there we go. Oh, what a coincidence. (laughs) I'm not. Spoilers, they're married. (laughs) Yes. True, there is... There is relation. Much like the last episodes had nepotism in them, this episode, (laughs) also full of nepotism. There we go. Perfect. That's the way we roll here. That's okay. Uh, So this is the the podcast where we just talk about little snippets of of things we've watched or we've read or stuff uh, we've seen. So Greg, we'll start with you. Uh, what, What would you like to talk about in side notes this week? Uh, well, today I half paid attention to, uh, Josh Trank's Fantastic Four. Oh, why? Were, uh, you, were you detained somewhere? No, I, uh, I it was, uh, not feeling great. I bashed my knee in real <laughs> bad yesterday. First game of the ball hockey season, uh, first shift, Ow. fell all my weight on my knee, and, uh, basically destroyed it. <laughs> so. so wait, so you decided to pour salt in an open wound yeah, and go home and I'm watch Fantastic Four? Awful. What could make this better? I'm gonna watch Pen Four Stick. Well, I needed a movie that I didn't have to pay attention to. I wanted some background noise, because I went home just to work from home. And I wanted some background noise, and uh, that was the first thing I could think of that came up in the old Netflix queue. Oh, I get it. It's with that thing where you distract yourself with something really painful from the pain oh, okay. that you're experiencing somewhere else. Okay, yeah, sure, well, sure. So you're like, so you did wanted some white noise of watching four of Hollywood's hottest young actors sleepwalk through a sci-fi. <laughs> hey guys, well, I wouldn't we're say the fantastic that they. <laughs> <laughs> I would say that, th- that this movie is very unfair to the four actors that were in it. Very true. Because the you you can you can really tell like this movie is famous for Josh Trank getting fair, uh, fired and he very famously torched the studio and his career. Yep. In the aftermath. Yep. Um, and and, a, and there was you know a lot of reshoots and and it's very clear in this movie where the reshoots were and where they were not. <laughs> like, the movie is basically, like a, a, about half of it is kind of a decent, serviceable movie, and then the back half of it is probably the worst movie I've ever seen. Yeah. It's, Ooh. it's, it, it's all the, it feels like it's written by an eight-year-old, like, every character is just saying what they're doing, and the, the movie climax, the, the dialogue in the movie climax, I shit you not, is this. Dr. Doom says to, uh, what's his name, Reed Richards, says, you think you're smarter than me. And then Reed Richards says, I am smarter. And then he pushes him into the the beam of light that's going into the sky that all superhero movies have. It was amazing. That is some deep and moving dialogue. (laughs) The moral of the story here is if you want to defeat your enemies, push them into a beam of light. Yeah. It's always worked for me. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So it's not good, <laughs> but I kind of would have would have liked to have seen what Josh Trank did without the studio kind of freaking out. And again, I mentioned this in the last side notes. I think just like you know, studios like to just hire young up and coming directors and then just meddle with them. 
So seeing as how he's destroyed his career, it'll probably never be hired again. Maybe he'll be on the podcast. Yeah, maybe he will. We come should, on, Josh Trank. Come on our podcast in Edmonton if you're uh, ever in town. Aaron, send him a tweet. Send Josh Trank a tweet. You want to be on our podcast, <laughs> uh, we'll give you Twizzlers. You, it could be for the fan four stick I have some notes episode. Yeah, there we go. And he could give his notes oh, on how be, he would have done that. That would movie. be great. Oh, I like meet him in some That, like, that like would some be a long episode because we basically have to rewrite the whole back half of the <laughs> Exactly. All of the notes are, well, the studio stepped in here. And then I changed my mind here, and then, etc. Yeah, et cetera, there is there's bits and pieces of this <clears throat> where it's very clear that the uh, the actors are just in a soundstage and have no idea what's going on, where they are in relation to other characters. It's, it's no one told them what's happening in the background, so they can't. It certainly act feels that way, out. And, they, and they come off as really bad actors in all those scenes. When in the first half of the movie, they're fine, but they're really just. It just, it feels like the, the movie just, you know, just drives them under the bus. Ugh, terrible. By the way, that, uh, if you heard that siren, that is the everything's okay alarm in downtown Edmonton. It goes off every 45 minutes. Everything's okay. Everything's okay. We're just, we're just, we're just we swinging got, a cat around. We've got hockey playoffs coming up for the first time in 10 years. So they just, someone just drives up oh, and yeah, down, yeah. downtown just <laughs> blaring a siren. Yeah. <laughs> Waving, waving their uh, car flags. Uh, Scott, what would you like to talk about? I'm going to bring up John Wick Chapter 2. Sure. Uh, I watched it in the cinema recently. Um, I'm going... This is spoiler free. Okay. Because I want people to be able to see it without being spoiled. Go watch, I don't go watch Fantastic Four, though. Uh, definitely check out John Wick and John Wick Chapter 2. Yeah, don't yeah. go and watch John Wick Chapter 2 if you haven't seen John Wick. And if you haven't seen John Wick, what are you waiting for? Because <laughs> that is a know. great I've movie. I've been busy. <laughs> Uh, probably my favorite Keanu Reeves movie. What? Oh, it's actually very good. Oh, hey. Because it's actually very, very Wait, which good. one are you talking about, though? The it's original John Wick. Okay, okay. John Wick Chapter 2 was good. I don't know that it was quite as good as the first one. Sequels have a hard time yep. kind of hitting the same bar. But it, it was definitely still good. And it definitely had some standout parts that I would say were better than the first one. Wow. But overall, I think the better movie was the first one. But definitely worth checking out. If you've seen the first John Wick, go see the new one. If you haven't seen the first John Wick, go see the first one, and then go see the new one. Okay. That's, that's my John Wick so, spiel. So, I'm not so, going to spoil it. I will say it's very violent. It's a very violent movie. So, so, so your options uh, from Scott are either A, you have to go see John Wick 2, or B, you have to see John Wick and then John Wick 2. Correct. So these are not, these are not, these are not suggestions. No. These, these are orders. The, these are my orders for your homework from this episode, is to go and see the John Wick series, and then get back to me okay. and confirm that indeed... Uh, those were worth checking out. Scott will take your uh, take your uh, your reports. Uh, five pages, double spaced. Uh, Times New Roman in ten point nine. Cite your sources. Cite your sources. <laughs> like, your sources. I, 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 really, John I enjoyed two. John Wick two cha- or John Wick two chapter two. That's, that's the next sequel. Two point two. <laughs> two. Ja- wait, what? That's the fourth movie. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yes. It was, it's a like I, I enjoyed it. My only my only thing about it is like. Uh, I, when, I, when I finished watching the first one, and I was like, I was like, this is a cool world of assassins that they're sort of building. I'm like, I'd like to see another movie that expands the world of assassins. And then I finished watching chapter two, and I was like, Be yeah, it turns out I didn't want to see that. <laughs> Be careful what you wish for. Yeah, uh, that's that's a fair complaint. Is that uh, and that's that's a fair complaint I've heard from a couple people where it's like, wow, it's almost like there are too many assassins in yeah. John Wick chapter two. Yeah. But on the other hand, it's almost kind of a world working on comic book logic. 
Yeah. But playing it deadly serious. Yeah. And that kind of makes it work for me. Like, I, I'm okay with it. So, that, that's my, my spiel on John Wick for this week. Two John. Spoilers always, so we're doing another two, one next week then. <laughs> Probably. Two, two John, two Wick. Two John, two Wick. <laughs> two John, John, two The John and the Wickiest. Uh, Anita, what would you like to chat about? The John Wickening? Yeah, there you go. Sure. Uh, the new TV show that I picked up recently... Uh, and have been trying to catch up on uh, the librarians. Sounds like a lot of books. Sounds exciting. <laughs> it's if you'd asked me when I first started watching it to explain it to you, I would say it's America's answer to Doctor Who. Okay. Now that I've finished the first season and have started into the second season, that is not accurate. It is it is lovingly inspired by various like all of the sci-fi that we love, the the Doctor Who and the Indiana Jones. And, okay. Yes, it's a happy melding of so that. So what's the elevator pitch for the series? There's a library. Okay. So it's m- it's it's this wonderful so magical it it's this wonderful magical library where they keep all the magic that is in the world because magic has left the world. Ah. And so the bits that are left belong in the library. And the librarian is tasked with <clears throat> finding the artifacts and keeping it and everything's great. Librarians tend to die because it's a dangerous job. Ooh, so they have to regenerate. <laughs> no, they get replaced. There's a there's a job fair. It's very exciting. <laughs> there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a lengthy grant application form. Yes. Um, and this one is about the the current librarian, played by uh, Noel Wiley, who is, is wonderfully eccentric in this. And uh, it's it's about him finding these other potential librarians and sort of changing the rules. He's He's like, no, no, it's not going to be just me. I'm going to have all of these other librarians in training to replace me. Oh, so that apprentices. Kind of, yeah. So that when when I, you know, inevitably die, probably by dragon, uh, they don't have to start from scratch. Oh. Right? Like like all of the previous librarians did. And, of course, he's got people that help. Uh, Rebecca Romaine plays his guardian. Wow, really? She's a, yeah. She's uh, NATO counterterrorism. She's a colonel. <laughs> and she kicks quite a lot of ass. And looks hot doing it. Cool. And they find frequent excuses for her to get into uh, beautiful fancy dresses. Uh, why wouldn't you? Right? <clears throat> and John Larroquette. And John Larroquette. What? Yes. Nice wow. girls. Dan Fielding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he's As uh, a mentor figure for the librarians in training. Yeah. Really? As a gray-haired scholar. Wow. Uh, of the occult. This sound. This sounds like. Uh, this is just like. This keeps getting better. He works. This is a he pizza works with in all the, the toppings. The whole first season is uh, that they've lost the library, and the because, librarian is trying to get it back because of magic. <clears throat> because okay, magic. Okay. Just, just accept it. A wizard did it. If I explain the whole thing, you might as well just watch the show. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um. And so uh, these, you know, these oh, other Max librarians Hedrum. in trailing. Max oh, and Max Headroom is the bad guy. Is the bad guy. Max oh, Rohr nice. is the bad guy. Uh, Bob Newhart makes a wonderful cameo. In, oh, a, wow. in a mirror. This is like all my dreams. Just have no, you're, just, you're describing a TV show based on all my dreams. <laughs> oh, good. You should watch it then. It's I, a very I good am. show. I am. But they lose the library. <laughs> they lose the library. And so they're working out of this library annex, which is on the other side of the country. The library is in New York, and the other the annex is in Oregon, I think. Anyway, and so uh, Jenkins, John Larroquette plays his character Jenkins, uh, hooks up the back door, and it's this magical portal door that can open up into any other door anywhere in the world. So they can go anywhere as long as there's a door, mm-hmm. so, which is how they justify going all over Globe the place. Globe-trotting adventures. Yeah. Cool. Okay. It's, it's good times. 
And every time they phone him, they always phone him from their, their cell phones, right? And every time he answers a different phone, like he's got an old-fashioned, like, wind-up phone with the earpiece. Yeah. And then he's got, like, a fancy, like, pearl-handled something, and he's speaking into a gramophone at one point. It's, wow. it's wonderful. This sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> sounds like uh, it's surprisingly Doctor good. Who plus uh, Harry Potter plus Agora. With a lot of Indiana Jones thrown in. Sign me up. I'll take two. You, I do highly recommend. Is it? Is it? Is there? Is Mandadinus's homework as well? No. Okay. There's a lot to watch. Oh, okay. But if if you like so shows like a, Doctor Who and if you like the Indiana Jones movies, I highly recommend The Librarians. Okay. I am thoroughly loving it. Yeah. I look forward to finishing the second what, season. What uh, service and or TV network is it running on? I'm watching it on our Android box. Okay. Um, yeah. It's on regularly. It's on TNT. Yeah, that's uh, that's the original and I network. I think yeah. it might be on Space. I, I think I've seen promos for it. I don't know what season they're currently on. Either. They're season three is available for me to watch, which means they've they're either on season on three season or they... three or they've just finished season three. Yeah, yeah. cool. Uh, so you can watch that. You can watch John Wick two. One thing you should not be watching is Pitch Perfect two. Oh no! Uh, now, so I actually quite enjoyed Pitch Perfect one. It was a little bit of a guilty pleasure, and my bar wasn't set super high, but I had expected, I'm like, okay, this is a guy from the library, should be a nice little fun little romp. I watched Pitch Perfect 2, and I thought it was actually, it felt like it was like the fourth sequel of a tired, worn out franchise. <laughs> oh, no. Where it's just like, oh, like, uh, you know. Did uh, Eugene Levy show up? <laughs> no, no, he didn't. But like, there's like, it actually has like lots and lots of like of like named comedic actors. So Katie Siegel's in it. Uh, Keegan Michael Key is in it. David Cross is in it. Reggie Watts is in it. Uh, you know the Pet- Pentatonics, the the acapella supergroup from Canada. I think they're from Canada. They're from Texas. From Texas. That's almost Canada. It <laughs> uh, yeah, is the opposite side. Alberta is the Texas of. And and we watched like. Sure. I, Barely laughed at all. It was just, it, it just felt tired. It felt worn out. And I went, and I just went, oh, geez, like, you know, whoa, whoa. So I, you know, because of this podcast, every time I watch a movie, I have to look it up, see how it did in theaters, what the reviews were. Um, this movie made a ton of money. Oh, yeah. And it also was re- received very well. Like, it's got, like, a 60, 60% plus on Rotten Tomatoes. I'm like, what is happening here? Is this just the subjective nature of comedy? It wasn't tickling your funny bone because you're not its target demographic. Uh, I don't think so because I don't think I was its target demographic the first time. But I was, at, but I actually found it like like genuinely clever and laugh out loud funny. And, but and it was it had the same it had the same writing staff. It basically had the same people in it. But it was just like the the story the story is a mess. You've got kind of like a, a plot where you've got um, you know Anna Kendrick is kind of. Well, now that she's proven herself in acapella, she's trying to prove herself as a move, uh, music producer and kind of being shunned down a little bit. But then the her little her little singing group is being shunned by the acapella community because they flashed the president of the United States by accident. So it's just this really weird meandering plot, and it all goes in like different directions, and it doesn't feel like it's like there's just nothing really there to like. I this wish there was a ra- vocal this, this expression random. for the confused yeah, expression on so, my face. It was just, it was just a, like, <laughs> like I said, it, it felt, it felt like, it felt like watching like, like a movie series that just has just completely run out of gas, but they still have everyone under contract. 
But it wasn't that. It All right, was, we're gonna go do a movie, everybody. Yeah, but it, like I said, it was it was reviewed well. It had it did did really well at the box. Apparently, they're making a third one as well. And I'm just well like, of course oh they are because it's, they're, it's a license to print money right now. Yeah, like a budget of twenty nine million dollars made uh, two hundred eighty seven million at the box office. Because so. tween girls have a lot of money. Oh yeah, yeah, maybe they have a lot anyway. of their parents' money at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah. To sum up, Pitch Perfect one, great movie, highly recommended. Pitch Perfect two, go watch John Wick. <laughs> Nina would suggest the opposite for the Magic Mike series, by the way. Oh, really? oh okay. I Magic Mike is—it's uh, an okay movie. Yeah, it's all right. Magic Mike XXL is one of my favorite things ever. Oh, there we go. It's so—it's so wonderfully funny. It's like reverse sequelitis. Like we're pitch perfect. You're like, yeah, the first one is great. The second one is should be more Whoa. of the same, and yeah. it wasn't. Yeah, very disappointing. Magic Mike is the reverse of that. It's like, eh, that's a good Magic yeah. Mike is like... They, picked, eh, up, they picked up Magic Mike and went, oh, we can fix this. Let's do this, 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 wow. and this. <gasps> it's, it's wonderful. <laughs> they turned yeah, it basically into like a buddy road trip movie with male strippers. <laughs> ah. And it's, to be fair, <laughs> legitimately very funny. Having ah. been dragged to the, the cinema to see it, it is actually a very funny <laughs> oh, movie. Oh, perfect. It's almost kind of odd that that doesn't happen more often with, uh, with comedies because... You think about how like a TV show works with a comedy is like the, the you know the first season's usually kind of eh, it's okay but then get, you know second and third season just like they, where it hits they the find stride. their groove so right yeah, yeah you would think that would happen with movies too like okay we've done this already we've got our characters established we're ready to go like you know we should be able to do it better you know and most of the time it's not most of the time I think probably it's it's partly because a lot of comedies are based off of very specific concepts yeah and there is a, a, a temptation to try and redo that concept obviously with something like um what's that movie where they get drunk and wake up and oh, hangover. Hangover. Hangover, yeah. Yeah. right just re- redoing the same concept. yeah they're trying to, so they're trying to instead of like instead of like recognizing like yeah we've got all these established characters let's do something fun and different with them yeah they're just like ah, let's do the first movie again yeah with all the same jokes usually yeah which and then you was... wonder why you don't like it as much. Yeah. Because you know all the punchlines. Uh, Greg, anything else you want to add before we wrap it up? Uh, oh, I wanted to talk about uh, a couple things uh, in some in the, in the film news. Sure. Uh, so, Ghost in the Shell was released this weekend. Uh, and it bombed spectacularly. It's already on video. Well, maybe not that fast. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's getting there. That's another bit of film news is that this week they, uh, they, uh, they were talking about, uh, releasing, uh, film to, uh, uh, uh video on demand after three weeks. Oh. The theaters. Wow, really? Standard 90 days. Yeah. It seems pretty fast. Yeah. Yeah. We live in the future now. Yeah, well, yeah, we, we, I mean, that's, we that probably, I would think, kind of spells the end for, for theaters. More or less. I don't know. If that's the direction they're going. I don't know. I don't think so. People will still go to the cinema. You, I like the experience of the big screen. I can't get that at home. We, 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 we might have to save that for the next side, side notes because you want to talk about Ghost in the Shell. Right, sorry. Ghost in the Shell. We're off topic. Yeah. <laughs> you can cut that out if you want. Anyway, I read an article that uh, basically uh, pointed out that a lot of these, uh, obviously Ghost in the Shell is very famously... Uh, uh, criticized for whitewashing this uh, Japanese uh, source material. And I read an article that basically talked about how how many different uh, whitewashed movies have also bombed spectacularly. Namely, uh, The Last Airbender, uh, Dragon Ball. We named a few in the, in the pre-show. Oh, what else did uh, we have? Exodus. <laughs> Exodus. Gods, yeah, of Gods of Egypt. Noah didn't do particularly spectacularly. Yeah. 
Yeah. So maybe, uh, like, is, I guess, uh, I kind of wondered, I was sort of, like, rattling around my brain, like, it would be, would the whitewashing itself be the cause of, uh, of, you know, the, the uh, poor box office, or is it just that the movie is crap? Which, from everything I've heard of uh, Ghost in the Shell, it's, it's very boring and vapid, uh, mm-hmm. and doesn't uh, take any of the uh, ideas from the original source material to heart, which is always death. When you're trying to translate a, a beloved property. Okay, I would argue in that particular case that the whitewashing doesn't matter. Well, the way because that... Because if you're, if, you're if you're not going to refer to your source material... It's not that they didn't refer, <clears throat> refer to the source material. From what I understand, it's more that they, they translated it one-to-one onto the screen without really comprehending it. So you get none of the underlying themes or emotions or anything. You just get the same pictures. Yeah, you yeah. get... Yeah. So then it doesn't matter who you have cast in it because it's not... The foundation isn't good. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, there's, I, 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 I'm not sure I would buy that, like, if if you if you suddenly had, you know, a whole... Like, if you had all uh, Japanese people cast in this Ghost in the Shell movie, uh, that suddenly it would be box office gold. I, I I mean I I'm cynical enough to believe that like that um, you know uh, Western audiences are kind of you know a little racist when they're picking their movies <laughs> and like and and I think there might be there might be a like in some ways I can almost like in a very cold way I'm maybe gonna have to edit this out <laughs> I can understand that like like the the movie studios position where they're like well we can't we can't sell it without a star and all our stars are are white, but I mean, like, you're you're gonna you're gonna say something and, and bail me out. I'm I'm <laughs> going to on me. I'm going to counter that <laughs> and point out that Moana made all of the money. That's right. It is a movie all about the Philippines, basically. Yeah, like that is and all the characters, all of the cast, everybody is kind of from that area, and it made all of the money. So the argument right. that you can't make bank. On stories and characters that aren't white is bunk. Yeah, basically. Yeah. <clears throat> no, I don't just dis- I don't disagree with that. I think I'm just thinking like that. I understand like the like the the way that the studio thinks, even though I don't think it's the thing is true. Like I'm always like, as long as your story is good, yeah, nobody cares. Like every like when when Star Wars came out, nobody knew who Carrie Fisher was or uh, uh, Harrison Ford or anything like that. Like it was, it's, it was just this sci-fi movie that caught fire, yeah. right? And nobody knew really who Jennifer Lawrence was when Hunger Games exploded, right? Yeah. So it's 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 not yeah. I mean, like the, the what's what's overrated in Hollywood is the is the over reliance on star power, and you know that that obviously um, really hurts uh, minorities and uh, you know because the and it's because it's a perpetuating cycle. You don't yeah. you don't want to use anybody who's not a star and all your stars are white, yeah. but the reason why you don't have any stars who aren't white is because you're not giving them a chance to become a star. Absolutely. Cough, cough, so, the Lone Ranger. Cough, cough. So it's just a perpetuating cycle. And it's almost kind of weird. Like, I mean, for a movie like Ghost in the Shell and you're, you're casting you're casting Jennifer, or no, Jennifer, or Scarlett Johansson in it, she's an expensive actress. And this is a, like, it's almost, like, so you're kind of almost doubling down on this risky property. Like, Ghost in the Shell is not a popular thing in in the west right like it's 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 like a it's sort of like a niche thing like a few people know about they may love it to pieces but it's not like most people don't know uh, what ghost in the shell is right 
So why would you take that risky property and then double down on it by hiring an expensive star when you could conceivably uh, bring your production budget way down and still make the movie and then probably you probably get a good return on it even if it you know even if uh, well it it's the do it's the doubling well down on the star power right people want to go see ScarJo in a movie because yeah. she's hot right now yeah. I think you could argue it's, it's it's maybe less about doubling down the star power and more like just doubling down on on the big budget. So I mean, you know, so you know, Scarlett Johansson, yeah, she's going to make a you know a fair chunk of money, but I mean, the budget of this movie was 110 million dollars. Scarlett wasn't 100 million dollars of that. She's maybe 10, 15 tops at the most. But I mean, if but I mean, if so, I think so. I think if you're if you're going to do this well, and you're going to say, okay, so in order for us to um, you know, maybe put ourselves in a position where we can make money out of this. Yeah. Let's bring the, so let's say, okay, now we're not, we're not going to use established stars. We're going to use, you know, kind of, you know, lesser known professional actors as you would with all these other movies you mentioned. Uh, but we're also going to, you know, find a way to do it for, you know, do it for 50 million, do it for 40 million, you know, and so that, you know, if it only makes $80 million, we still make money as opposed to saying, okay, now we're throwing a hundred million bucks in the production. We're holding a hundred million bucks in marketing yeah. and, you know, just leveraging the crap out of everything, and now it's like you're just setting yourself up to succeed or to fail because now you have all this yeah. stuff that's like, well, geez, now because we yeah. have this budget, they now did we need to get, we need to get, we need to give a, sure a big star. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of things that have gone wrong, but yeah, uh, yeah, definitely, definitely, uh, yeah. There's they they, and, and they think, marketed this because the heck out of this because they wanted this to be a franchise film. Yeah. yeah, and I think at this point, like. It's it's almost it's almost kind of shocking that movie studios are so slow to respond to um, people being against whitewashing. You know, like there's been so many examples of, of this. Okay, I don't I don't want to justify Hollywood, but the movie making process is in fact years in advance. We're calling out all the whitewashing now and mm-hmm. in the past few years. Um, it's actually going to take Hollywood like a good five to ten to catch up with those requests because <laughs> all of these other movies have already been cast and pre-productioned and financed and all of these things, and they have to go yeah. through with them first well, before they can bring up all the new stuff. I disagree that it's five years behind because because well, like, you know Ghost in the Shell was shot last year, and fair uh, enough. It, so it's a little quicker. But than I'm that. I'm willing to bet the casting and the budget was at least two or three years ago. Yeah, it could be, yeah. Uh, there was, uh, and I, I almost hate to bring it up because I'm, I put myself on the spot and I can't remember where I read it, but there was a great article, which you should try to find if you can, which I'm sure I saw on Facebook at some point, but it was a great article somebody had done where they were refuting all of the regular arguments for whitewashing, mm-hmm. like, oh, well, we need a big star or, oh, yeah. well, you know, it's a timeless tale, so anybody can play anybody in it. And, or it's, you know, it's actually a really diverse movie because we got a lot of, you know, Asian people and brown people in the background. Um, and kind of refuting all of those points. It was actually well put together. So you should find it. I don't remember the author. I don't remember who published it, and I don't remember the title. So good luck. Good job, honey. That, I'm helping. That's why we're here. We're here to provide useful, vague yeah. information. Useful yeah. yet vague. And some of the, you know, the things some of us even has to do with just kind of like, you know, it's, 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 it's the 21st century now, right? So, I mean, I'm looking, I'm just, I just well, while you guys were I'm chatting, I just quickly looked up, you know, history of whitewashing in film. And you know there are there are some there are some movies that you know back in the day you know are technically whitewashed but are considered Hollywood classics. So for example, uh, Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston, yes, as, uh, you know, as Moses. 
Um, uh, Lawrence of Arabia. Alec Guinness plays in, you know, uh, an Arab prince. Breakfast at Tiffany's. Breakfast at yeah. Tiffany's. Uh, Scar- oh! Scar- yeah. Scarface. Uh, Al Pacino plays uh, Tony Montano's uh, Cuban descent. So, yeah. um, this could be, this, again, this could be something where it's just, you talk about kind of the delay in how Hollywood makes versus versus how the audiences are rea- reacting to them. It's just that, you know, there's, you know, there there is precedent to say, you know what, that doing these things aren't that big a deal because of what's happened in the past, and maybe just now we're just getting prepared. Well, yeah, that's just like how slavery is not a big deal because yeah, of exactly. the way things happened in the past. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, times times change. T- times are changing. Oh no, it's they change. Seventeen. Uh, there will be a big test for this. For when what, what happens with Akira will be the uh, the big test of whether Hollywood I'm sorry they're making a Akira yeah been, oh no they've been talking about that for a while yeah though, and that's that. been that's been mired in development hell for years I'm okay with but that but they were talking about casting a bunch of white folk in no and, oh yeah. no and then they but one of the delays that came along was because they were starting to maybe rethink that yeah so. Yeah, the last, the last. Yeah, I please read, rethink um, that. Actually, um, Jordan Peele's mm-hmm. actually been tagged to direct it, and uh, he's he's one of three. I forget who the other yeah. two were. So yeah, but anyway, that might that might that might be a side note for this is again a, like another Hollywood thing. We're like, hey, Jordan Peele did one good movie. Let's let's set him up with uh, f- you know four hundred million dollars and make it yeah <laughs> in a tough property. Here's a dump truck of money. Yeah, do it again. Yeah, and a studio sure. that's going to be nitpicking every decision you make from yeah. now on. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Anyway, that's a topic for another side notes uh, coming up. Our next uh, episode of uh, actual, I have some notes. We're going to be talking about passengers. Oh, the Chris Pratt. And, uh, ready for Lawrence film? That should be a good one. Oh, here we go. Um, let us know what you think of this, uh, this show and all the other shows. Uh, leave us a review on, on, uh, on Google Play, on iTunes. Uh, and, uh, check us out on social media. I have some notes on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I think that's it. That's all. Tumblr, MySpace, no nope. Friendster. Okay, No, cool. those still No things. problem. Okay, then, uh, yeah, uh, we'll be, so the next episode of Passengers will be up in a little while. So stay tuned. And don't watch Fantastic Forces. But watch John. We were trying to think of, the whole way here, we were trying to think of the name of the movie that Miles Teller was in with J.K. Simmons, where he's drumming all the time. Whiplash. <laughs> there you go. Um... <laughs> he was He was literally a second faster than me. <laughs> We were like, we were like, drum pals, <laughs> drum, drum, pals. drum hero, drum Miles, Miles Teller and his, and his drummer buddies. Yeah. <coughs> we, were, we were both talking about like not particularly loving that movie. No, not because not because it was necessarily a bad movie, but just the subject matter was just not our thing. Like, Didn't no that movie get a lot of Oscar itself. nods? It, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. J.K. Simmons won an Oscar for it. Like yeah. everything, everything was uh, everything about it was really it's really well made. It's very nicely shot. There's there's a couple of really incredible performances in it. Uh, but overall, it just was one of those things where just the movie just didn't speak to me. Anything, I say the same really. thing about Citizen Kane. Yeah, I I recognize that it's a masterpiece. I don't particularly care for it. Just never really gripped me. I feel like I have to watch. Never it again. be in the academy now, Scott. <laughs> good thing that are the mics on or the mics off. No, okay, good. Recording. <laughs> no, don't tweet that. <laughs> people people know that I don't care for Citizen King. <laughs> My name is Scott, and I hate Citizen King. <laughs> I was like that, with, and um, I like Johnny Mnemonic. So yeah, I like Johnny Mnemonic. Good movie. I was Total like that with Taxi Driver. 
it was just like, I was like, eh, I don't, I don't see it. Because like, you know, I'm watching it now. Like, I, the first time I watched it was like a year ago. And I just didn't get it. Didn't see why it's it was such a revered movie. Alrighty. Ready to go? Do we need I some think so. levels to level?